A common sense reality check for both the left and the right. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Just a couple of days ago, I had a chance to catch up with uh, Phil Kirpin from American Commitment as Congress was debating whether or not to lock in a long-term spending plan versus another short-term plan to get through the end of the year. This conversation happened on News Talk STL in St. Louis. You've heard the news that the uh, Democrats and some Republicans now scrambling to lock into place. Suddenly, they've discovered the need for a long-term spending plan instead of all these short-term continuing resolutions right before the Republicans take a very slim majority in the House. Joined now by Phil Kirpin, a friend of the show and with American Commitment. And uh, Phil, I want you to react to uh, this statement from Senator Mitch McConnell. Admittedly, I'm pretty... Proud of the fact that with a Democratic president, a Democratic House, and a Democratic Senate, we were able to achieve through this omnibus spending bill essentially all of our priorities. Well, um, if these are his priorities, I'm not sure what the difference is between the two parties are because uh, this is an enormous spending bill that, that fully funds pretty much every single request that President Biden had, and uh, it's got all kinds of left-wing stuff in there. Uh, people have been sharing clips and snippets of it as they go through the 4,000 pages, and uh, of course, you know, none of the actual senators uh, could possibly know everything that's in there, which is another sort of procedural objection to the way they're doing it. Uh, but, you know, this is, um, you know, the official price tag of one7 uh, trillion is, of course, a low ball because they've got some budget tricks and gimmicks and so forth. So it's probably nearly $2 trillion of spending. And, um, you know, it funds everything you could ever imagine. And to the point that you just made, they suddenly feel a sense of urgency to do a deal with House Democrats weeks before those House Democrats lose power. Uh, they prefer to deal with House Democrats and Senate Democrats rather than House Republicans and Senate Democrats. And I just find it remarkable. And look, we've never in history had a situation where a, spend, a uh, spending bill was passed in a lame duck session after control of the House flip. That's never been done before. Okay, Phil, let me follow up just a little bit. Uh, how does a senator who votes for a long-term plan, how do they sell this, particularly a Republican senator, how do they sell this back in their state? This seems like a big win pretty much across the board for Democrats. Well, uh, my guess is that it's not mostly about politics. It's mostly about uh, pork. And in particular, there's $650 million of pork uh, for retiring Senator Richard Shelby in this bill. And I think it's kind of a $650 million retirement party for him uh, to fund all the pork that he wants on his way out the door. And it's not just him. There are a bunch of other uh, retiring Republicans that have pretty enormous hauls of pork in this bill. I think Senator Inhofe from Oklahoma has got you know, $500 million or something like that. And Roy Blunt from Missouri's got $250 million. And I think that's really what this is mostly about, is funding a whole bunch of pet projects, pork projects, uh, earmarks, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, the, the, but, but, the bill, but it really demonstrates what's wrong with legislating that way because there's $16 billion of pork in this bill, okay? And that kind of sounds like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money, $16 billion, but it's a $1.7 trillion-plus spending bill. So 0.1% 
of the spending in this bill goes to these pork projects that are driving uh, the votes of a lot of the Republicans. Uh, they're kind of cheap dates when you look about it that look at it that way. And I think their view is sort of you know nobody's going to remember this come election time. It's uh, we're as far from an election as it gets. Now the the one argument you could make that I guess a lot of the Senate Republicans are making privately when they get pressed on this is you know the the, the House majority is going to be so slim it's going to be hard to work with the Republicans and they're not going to be able to muster 218 votes even if they try to make a deal and so it's easier to get this done now and uh, you know clear the decks and move into the new year and uh, you know, that's kind of and, and they, they always make this look how many times have we seen them do this they set a deadline right before Christmas <laughs> and then they say oh you got to pass it or you're going to shut down the government you're going to miss Christmas you're not going to be able to go home and then they uh, the leadership has the leverage to push through whatever they want Phil, one of the complaints I'm seeing from a lot of Republicans is at least House Republicans would be able to stop funding some of the programs that were passed, for instance, in the Green New Deal aspects that made its way into other bills. Do we know how much money has been put in for some of the sort of climate and environmental initiatives from the Biden administration? I haven't seen a total, but I'm sure it's a lot <laughs> because, you know, they got so many programs across the whole federal government that are, that are dedicated to that. You know, the one that I saw called out that I found found pretty remarkable was, I think, $580 million. Uh, and, uh, Congressman Dan Bishop from North Carolina found this and tweeted it out. It's $500 plus million uh, for... Uh, promoting population control measures uh, to prevent uh, species destruction and loss of biodiversity. So the old sort of Malthusian myth that human beings are bad for the planet and let's try to have fewer of them uh, with your tax dollars. Uh, that's probably the most offensive of the green provisions, but I'm sure this, I'm sure in the 4,000 pages, you know, they've got, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of them of, you know, all kinds of shape and variety, and I'm sure it adds up to a large price tag, but I haven't seen what that is. We are visiting with Phil Kirpin from American Commitment. Uh, what do you make of uh, Kevin McCarthy's uh, statement that uh, any uh, Republican senator who votes uh, to pass this omnibus spending plan can plan on their bills being DOA in the House? Some would say Republicans can't afford to uh, be infighting, and others are going to say, hey, if you don't have any principles, what are you, what are you worried about infighting for? Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna. It'll be interesting to see. It'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, when that's put to the test. You know, if they're really going to say, "Oh, well, Senate leadership voted for that Omni. We're not going to support any Mitch McConnell or John Cornyn bills." I think uh, you know, if this, if they did it with exactly ten Republicans to get it over the line, maybe you could do something like that and make it work. But I'm skeptical they're going to be able to. There were 21 Senate Republicans that voted to begin debate on this bill. Uh, usually, people who vote to begin debate also vote to end debate and, and uh, the thing passes and so you know if they've got 21 is a lot to try to blacklist and blackball and there were actually some surprising names uh, it wasn't just the retiring guys and uh, the people in leadership and kind of the the more moderate side tom cotton voted to start debate and marco rubio voted to start debate and so um it's disappointing. I, I don't know what to say other than that. I'm I'm not sure that the House guys are going to be able to make good on that uh, that threat. Although you know, I appreciate them trying uh, trying to exert some kind of leverage over this uh, when you know the, this whole thing is designed to sideline them. All right, uh, American commitment is where online or uh, social media. Where can they get in touch with you, Phil? 
AmericanCommitment.org and uh, social media. The the best one is probably my Twitter because I'm on there obsessively. It's just my last name, Kirpin. Hey, Phil, good talk to you again. Uh, have a great uh, Christmas. All right, you too, guys. Have a good one. Okay, once again, that conversation happened on News Talk STL in St. Louis, and you can catch up with Phil at AmericanCommitment.org. All right, just ahead, we've had multiple volumes of the Twitter files, and what we're looking at is the mixture of private sector social media and election law. One of the top election experts and legal minds in the country joins us just ahead. He is saying, hey, Federal Elections Commission should be taking note of the information that's been released and reopen an investigation as to whether or not the old Twitter, pre-Elon Musk Twitter, actually worked to illegally help one of the campaigns, particularly the Biden campaign. We'll talk about that just ahead right here on American Viewpoints. 